You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Trash Pandas. I am Lindsay, and this is my fantastic and wonderful co-host. Hi, Lauren. And tonight, we are taking a bit of a uh, divergence into um, the Epstein documentary. We will not be covering um, 90 Day tonight. Um, We also have an amazing, amazing guest (laughs) with us. His name is Dave. And he has so much to say. I, um, I I have a few things, yeah. About <laughs> about what we will be talking about, which is the Epstein documentary, Filthy Rich, Filthy Rich, which hopefully you watch. It's on Netflix, and uh, well, yeah, and it's it's been out for a minute. Uh, so, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about any spoiler warnings or anything like that. Um, you might want to throw a trigger warning out here. This is some pretty sensitive, touchy stuff. Yeah. So trigger warning, if you are a victim of sexual assault or if you are close to, um, anyone with sexual assault, uh, not the show for you, this may be something that you want to skip over because we will be talking, um, about sexual assault um and some sick uh, fucking people human trafficking human trafficking <laughs> and um victims and yep, a and lot of stuff a, a lot of all of that so um if this is something that might set you off maybe you want to skip over this podcast for tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and, and hopefully we'll have it all wrapped up tonight. Please join us back. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll go back to our original format after. But um, So this was actually really interesting for me. I was really interested in the Epstein documentary um, because all of us had the chance to actually follow it. You know, he only died recently within yeah. the last couple of years. So uh, last couple of months. Especially since it like, lasted over the span of like 25 years. And that is insane. So, like, let's just jump right into. Well, so, yeah, for those who don't know, it is a uh, four part series uh, that's on Netflix. It came out uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, And in fact, in the course of rewatching it, I noticed they've updated uh, the ending of the final episode uh, with some information um, uh, that's come out since then. So that's good to know they're actually staying on top of it. Yeah. So it is. It is a four part series, um, and 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 so and I have my own episode titles for these. Uh, so episode one, I just called. Okay, here's this is set up. Like this, this is all the here's all the foundational yeah. shit that you need to know. And and the first yeah. thing you need to know is that it's crazy how this finally started coming to light. Um, and it finally started coming to light because in two thousand three. And, and these dates are important, 2003, um, Vanity Fair uh, assigned a reporter to do a story um, on this reclusive um, Gatsby-esque like character named Jeffrey Epstein, um, who has this like $70 million, you know, seven floor ridiculous house uh, in the middle of New York City. Um, and But like nobody knows shit about him. Like, and so, and it was supposed to be just like a society piece like it was a you know hey go find this eligible bachelor um in new york that's got all this cash uh and write a story on him and um but but actually (laughs) the the best part and i feel like this is a recurring theme throughout every single one of these episodes um this episode starts with uh jeffrey epstein in a deposition um who is saying a line that he says a number of times throughout this uh which is you know invoking his fifth amendment right i would love to answer that question but it's all it's right. my attorneys won't let me answer i but i would love to answer that question but i can't um so yeah it's a 2003 you know vanity fair piece uh and it it touches on like just so some of the the basics like so this this reporter starts digging in um and she gets you know she makes her initial contacts and 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 one of those contacts says you know hey yeah there's this person named uh Ghislaine Maxwell um who's like the connector uh for Epstein and like she's like his gateway 
way into things, um, which kind of, and then, oh, by the way, but she's also kind of like a, uh, a pimp uh, or madam for him. Yeah. And so there are these, uh, there's these couple other people that I know about um, that had some really bad experiences when they were working with him and they were dealing with him. You might want to see if they can get you, if you can get them to talk to you and, and, and do that. And okay, so can I just? Say and by the way, I just I totally so, forgot how I wanted to start this episode, which was hey. So I spent last night talking doom and gloom with um, a uh, you know an epidemiologist and a viral you know infectious ooh. disease expert, talking about how we're never going outside again. Um, so now we're talking about more. Oh, oh yeah, and then Wonderful. so I'm like, hey, tonight I'm hanging out with a couple Cheers. of gorgeous blondes, and we're talking about <laughs> pedophiles. That's great. Cheers. Yeah, that's yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> um, what you were saying. I will say that um, as a English major, the main thing that stuck out to me was that this investigative journalist talked about him as being this Gatsby figure. And I was like, wait, 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 because Gatsby's actually a super likable character in the end. And mm-hmm. um, Epstein's not. Epstein's the worst. Well, but we don't so know I that. Like, please, let's not make that comparison because I hate that because I love Gatsby. I, I dearly, dearly love Gatsby. Well, but the thing is, is nobody knows this side of Gatsby. Right, and, and, and that's the thing, is, like, I understand that, like, well, he's, like, Well, he's, actually, he's, lots of people knew that side of Epstein, but the public didn't like, know that right, side of Epstein. Yeah. Right, yeah, Trump. Okay, mm. but, um, <clears throat> he is this very elusive character, but I'm like, can we please not equate him to Gatsby, because Gatsby had all good intentions mm-hmm. at his at, at his heart, if if you have read uh, the Great Gatsby, you know you know that. If and, you went to high school, you probably. And if read you Great went Gatsby. to high school, and I was your English teacher, you definitely know that Gatsby is a very likable character. And Absolutely he, is. He, he he is he he's the most likable out of all of the nastiness that. He that is around him, yeah. Yes. So I'm like, initially, I'm like, I hate that. I hate that comparison. However, I will say that I understand because he is very elusive, and in in the way that people don't know exactly how he made his money, and they don't really know what he does with his money, and he's very private. And as you're saying, he's, a, he's basically a total recluse. Right, he's a total recluse, and that's when um, what they were talking about is when they went down to Palm Beach and they started filming him in Palm Beach, they basically said this was the perfect environment for him to be a hermit. Oh, yeah. The perfect place for him to set up those walls and for him to get away with anything that he wanted to get away with. Mm -hmm. And so I understand that uh, that comparison. But um, go read Gatsby because (laughs) because it's actually Gatsby is actually a very tragic character and he is very amazing. Um, But however, um, what I found was very interesting was um, that Vanity Fair uh, investigative journalist, um, she basically found out about these two sisters. And this is who we see in the documentary is um, the one sister who graduated from an art school and she was introduced to um Epstein through um, Eileen Guggenheim, mm-hmm. who is a, a I name mean, that some I people mean, might know. Yeah, I mean, we know Guggenheim Museum. I mean, like that's a huge name. That's a huge name. Oh yeah, well, and and this is the first time. This is another very common theme throughout this. And like, and if you do sit, down, if you haven't watched it yet, you do, and you do sit down and watch it, be prepared for a lot of time jumps. Like, so yeah, you know, here, so yeah. we're you know we're in, we're in two thousand three. And then it jumps back to 1995 um, right. to talk to this uh, Maria Farmer, 
uh, you know, she's, you know, she's a painter, she's a student, um, and she tells the story about how she's, uh, you know, she's all excited because she graduates, and part of graduation is they do this art gallery opening thing, um, and three, she does, you know, three pieces that she enters, and they sell for ridiculous amounts of money. Um, $12,000 a piece. Yep. Um, and then, so this Guggenheim lady walks up to her and says, oh, by the way, uh, this is uh, Jeff Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, um, and you're selling them, they're, you're selling them. $6,000. Oh, yeah. And she's, well, and this Maria lady, she's like, well, but it's already sold. And this mm-hmm. Guggenheim's like, well, that's not my problem. Um, they're very huge supporters of ours. You're going to sell it to them. You're going to give it to them at a discount. Yeah, uh, yeah like we're basically greasing up our benefactors. You know, yeah. anybody which, who's do- donating money. Politics and networking. That yeah. makes sense. You know, like it makes sense. I, I mean, it doesn't make sense for her. But, you know, for Guggenheim, it's like she's going to look out for whoever's going to be giving her the most money towards their like for sure. Well, and they said that was, you know, that was one of the things that basically let Epstein hide in plain sight for so long was because he was such a huge benefactor. Like even I think at one point in time during his one of his de- one of his depositions, um, he says, you know, I, I gave away seventy six million dollars last year, um, you know, to you know instant, you know, and he, he helped build colleges and he helped do this and he helped do. So I mean, you know, people tend to turn a blind eye when somebody's writing million dollar checks, which is sad, but reality. Uh, so the art opening thing happens, and, and Epstein apparently has told her, you know, when they when, they, when it's going at a discount, don't worry about it, we'll make it up to you. Well, and then nothing happens for a couple months. And then, like, out of the blue, Epstein calls her and says, hey, got a job for you. Um, you're going to come be the door person at my 70 odd million dollar, uh, yeah. place in New York. And you're going to like, uh, you're going to be the curator for the art installations. You're going to handle the, you know, construction and maintenance people and you're going to do this. And so that's when she starts seeing all of the wackadoo crap, uh, that, that happens in this. And then that's also where it gets weird. Uh, cause they start, uh, both, uh, Epstein and Maxwell ask her about like, Hey, do you have any siblings? And she's like, yeah, I've got this kid, you know, I've got two kid sisters. Um, and this one like really wants to get into like, you know, international stuff. Um, and so she wants to be like, uh, um, she wants to be in the Ivy league yep. and she wants to like, you know, she wants to be a part of that higher society. Oh, yeah. And so Epstein's like, oh, yeah, well, we're all about that. And we'll totally help find that. Uh, and they're going to like we're, and we're going to send your sister on this international trip. Uh, but, hey, before she does that, she should totally come uh, and and have this little like, you know, in this little meeting thing um, at my ranch in New Mexico. And so then that's when we get introduced to the sister and the sister's like, cool. Like, I think I'm going to meet a lot of the other students that are going to be a part of this. And no, it's just her that's there. Like, she's the only person there with Epstein and Maxwell. Um, And this is the first time we get introduced to what is another common theme throughout the course of the show, which is the massage angle. Uh, The, you know, hey, Jeff wants a massage and we're going to go give him one, which means you're going to go give him one. Well, and not only that, but I would say another common theme that we see through it is that um, they are using the the um, their extravagance and they're using the fact that they are rich as fuck and they're trying to basically like woo these girls. They're into seducing the fact, these yeah. girls into you're going to meet people that you would never mm-hmm. dream of meeting. You're right. going to be given all these opportunities to travel places you could never afford to travel. Mm-hmm. You know, like giving them a taste of that upper society yeah. and and feeling like they're part of the elite even real even though they're just being assaulted the entire well yeah and i mean which i I think you know that's sort of the foundation for the entire uh sugar daddy premise um which is all fine and good except she's 16 right 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 so you know i think that's you know that's the uh (laughs) that's the the common yep Problem. Oh yeah, and, and sixteen, and unfortunately, throughout a lot of this, sixteen is on the high age, or the high end of the age spectrum, yeah. which is yeah. super creepy. I think that we did meet a couple of girls that were like twenty two and, and yep. twenty. Yeah, right in the now. later up, yep, but in the later episodes, were like I met Epstein at fourteen when I was thirteen. When I was fourteen, twelve, yeah, right. twelve years old. Yeah. Actually, well, that's one of the things that they talked about was Maria had um, some some drawings or paintings that she had done where yeah. she was using her little sisters as the model mm-hmm. and the photos were, or the pictures that she had drawn were like, you know, you know, like 
girls in the middle of like puberty, um, mm-hmm. you know, like intimate moments. That I just got like, yeah, voyeur like, private moments. Like, yeah, right. they weren't necessarily like supposed to be super sexual or anything right. like that. But it was just kind of like it's just what she liked to draw. And right. when she, you know, comes out of the room, there's three of them that are missing. And one of them is of her 12 year old sister. Yep. And that's in, like, I would feel mortified to know that I had basically supplied somebody with that information about my sibling. Oh, yeah. And and that's where, you know, the next uh, kind of flash forward is, um, you know, so, you know, Annie, who's the who's the younger sister, um, you know, Epstein, you know, basically crawls into bed with her, um, you know, molests her. And then, you know, she runs and hides uh, and they leave the next day and she takes off on this trip to like Thailand and, and Vietnam, um, you know, that they were paying for, you know, to go, you know, do what she was going to do. But, you know, still had to deal with that and like didn't mention anything to her sister. So at, the, at that and then that's when uh, Maria, that's the older sister, yeah. uh, you know, Epstein calls I her up and says, hey, her. I got this great job for you. Um, yeah. You're going to basically be an artist in residence at this phenomenal place in in uh, you know in the middle of nowhere in Ohio, and it turns out it's uh, Les Wexner's house, which and this yeah. is the first time we're introduced to him. For yeah. those who aren't familiar with who Les Wexner is, uh, he was the guy who up until recently, <laughs> when all this stuff broke, um, was the CEO uh, and chairman of the board for um, it was uh, un- uh, Limited Brands. Uh, yeah. So you know he so basically Abercrombie, Abercrombie, Victoria's Secret, yeah, and of course and the limited uh and, and a bunch limited, of others to all that yep uh and so uh things get weird there uh when epstein shows up uh she winds up basically barricading herself in a room behind so you know throws furniture yeah. up against the door in the whole nine yards um and uh, again epstein and maxwell leave the next morning uh she packs all packs up all of her shit uh throws it in a rental truck and goes back to new york to get the hell away from them uh, Epstein calls her and was like, basically, you know, hey, what do you want? Like, what, what, what is it going to take to keep, you know, this quiet? Uh, and she just hangs up on him. Um, but then immediately calls her sister and was like, hey, this weird shit just happened in Ohio with Epstein. Did they ever try any shit with you? And Annie comes clean and says, yeah, this is what happened. And, and, and this is where it goes. Well, now, so not to take this laying down, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, they first go to the NYPD. Uh, and yeah. you know, they're, and they're like, okay, like this is what happened. And the NYPD and, and rightfully so says, Hey, there's nothing we can do for you. Like it's completely out of our jurisdiction that happened in Ohio. It happened in New Mexico. There's nothing we can do. If you want to do something about this, you're going to have to go to the FBI. Right. So they do, they go to the FBI and they lay the entire thing out. This is 1996. Again, yeah. years, years are important here. So in 1996, they gave a fully detailed account to the FBI of everything that's gone on. Yeah. Well, the FBI basically drops the ball, too. Well, so they they started apparently they started the investigation um, and then like nothing like they never got back to these girls. They never did anything with them. Um, And this is where we flash forward back to the reporter that's doing the Vanity Fair story. Yeah. Uh, And that's when she says. Uh, that uh, she was trying to talk to the to the victims, but they were basically scared to talk. Um, but they had like a family meeting, and they decided to talk, like we're gonna air our story out anyway. Yep. Um, and then Vanity Fair had to go and fact check with Epstein. Well, yeah. So the writer actually, the writer puts all of this stuff in her piece. Like, so she's, she's got everything included, all of the details, everything she can find, submits her piece into the editor to go ahead and start the publication process. Yeah. And so they had to go check with Epstein and Epstein is basically like, you talked to two women who were infatuated with me. And so none of this is true. None of this is true. Mm -hmm. And basically tries to discount everything that they go through. But then he ends up, ends up threatening the reporter Mm -hmm. and the editor unborn children and also ends up threatening the editor in chief Mm -hmm. of Vanity Fair, uh, he found a severed cat's head in his um, backyard in his garden, and he also found a bullet on his on his doorstep. Yep. So, yeah, that's not creepy at all. 
Yeah, no, that's not fucking creepy. I mean, that's not that's not Godfather at all. Yeah, no. Like, you know, a horse, a horse head under the fucking thing. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that is terrifying. That's terrifying. And like, can you imagine? Like, okay, thinking like they're just trying to report a story. Can you imagine what he's doing to those victims? Oh, for sure. Can you imagine what he's doing to those victims? The other thing, too, that was, like, really disturbing about that entire section was she's pregnant with twins. Yeah. And they're saying to her, like, we We know know your doctors. We know your doctors. We know where you live. Like, it's like you're threatening my children Mm -hmm. who I haven't even had yet. Um, Like, you're going to, like, take them from me or, like, hide them from me or, you know. Or not only that, but I'm going to threaten your doctor so he doesn't give you the care that you actually need. Right. So you just die or, you know what I mean? Like, whatever, whatever his, like, end game could be, terrifying that's terrifying well yeah and so i mean at the end of the day god i still hear this weird blowback coming through sorry Sorry. uh no i I think it's me um but so no so at the end of the day the vanity fair piece uh gets published but without any of that like they've they completely drop that part of the story um because you know the editor says epstein a man about town yeah that was it it was like (laughs) the gatsby of new york city like it was like it was like a total uh, fluff, fluff piece. I did notice during that that they did like a little pan over like the actual, um, the actual article. Yeah. And they yeah. kind of like stopped a little bit longer on a quote from Les Wexner that says, Jeffrey knows when he is winning, he will let you choose your weapon, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty interesting that they like put that in there because that's what we're doing. Right. So, um, and then from there, it kind of like just spiraled. Who got who involved? Well, and then we see that he has, you know, this mansion in Palm Beach. Oh, so yeah. So here's and- here's where we flash from New York. God. Yeah, uh, he has this. Not only is his address in New York, but he has this mansion in Palm Beach, and we find out a lot about Palm Beach as. Uh, Oh, it's there's a super a secretive crime. enclave, and oh yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know if you if you don't want to be seen and you don't want to be heard, you won't be seen or heard in Palm Beach. Like there's a, all of that going on where it's like we're gonna keep you under wraps. Under wraps. Well, I mean, it's it's like that almost anywhere when you've got, you know, somebody who's got a, you know, anybody that's got a crap ton of money. Billion I mean, dollars. and any on clove. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a total thing. Um, but yeah, so and and that's the first time where you see the uh, oh look, hey, here he is hanging out with Trump. Um, and here he is at Mar-a-Lago and yeah. you, you know, and and you know, This is my favorite. So, I actually wrote down the quote and uh, this is a quote from Trump and I think James Patterson was the one that was like, I don't think Trump would like me to say this, but this was the Trump quote. It was, I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a terrific guy. Yeah. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do. And many of them are on the younger side. Yep. That's well, a Trump quote. Oh yeah, well, that's a Trump quote. Well, and if you don't know, so th- like this mini this this documentary, this mini series is based on um, a book written by James Patterson of the same title. Like that's that's. Oh, I didn't know. So that. that's why that's why he's in this. He's the guy that wrote the sto- that wrote the well, story. I just thought it was because he was his neighbor. Yeah, no, he's the, like, he's the guy that actually wrote the book. He is actually his neighbor. And so, and so in Palm Beach, like this is where we get introduced to uh, possibly one of the better people, uh, one of the best people in this entire story, uh, which is Michael Ryder. Uh, he's, Michael Ryder, he's, he's my next name yep, on this. He's the uh, chief he, of police yep. of Palm Beach. And uh, he said, the, you know, he says the first time he meets Trump uh, is when Trump shows up in his office and wants to donate a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment uh, to oh, the police department. Wait, 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 did you mean Trump or did you mean? Epstein? Oh, I'm sorry, Epstein. Yeah, the first time he yeah, meets Epstein. I was just going to say that Michael Ryder, uh, he he said that uh, Epstein made a million dollar donation 
to the Palm Beach Glaze. I thought it was 100000 Oh, I have 100000 Oh, I wrote a million dollars. So I think it's actually $100,000 in equipment. That yeah. was what he initially was doing. Um, and then that's when Michael Ryder says that he receives reports of large number of w- young women that are going in and out, yes. of, the, uh, out of the estate. Yes. Well, yeah, so, so it's, there it were starts... other neighbors of, of Jeffrey Epstein's that were calling the Palm Beach police and saying, hey, something's not right. Like, something's off here. And uh, um, they went and they investigated and uh, they found that all girls at that time were adults. um, And claimed to have been working for him. And claimed to be working for him. But in 2005... Uh, this this happened in 2005 that a parent of a young girl called the police to report that their daughter had basically been paid to give a massage to an older man and to do other things. She had like gotten into a fight at school and and like, like three hundred dollars out of her out of her pocket. And uh, so that's what prompted her mother to call in to the police and say, hey, something's not right. This isn't right. Um, well, yeah. And, so, and this is when you start the seeing. Victim, and then finally, the victim was interviewed and it finds and we find out that she was 14 years old. I'm sorry, Dave, what were you saying? Sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out if this blowback is coming from my end or your end. But uh, sorry, it's just driving me nuts. Um, but no, so this is where uh, you start seeing some of the interviews uh, that they yeah. did. Um, and this is where we meet uh, Michelle Licata, uh, Shana Rivera, yeah. and Haley Frick. Um, and they all start describing basically the same story where yeah. it's, you know, and, and they're all like 14. Again, that, ne- that just needs to be stressed. They're all like 13, right. 14 years old. And it's a friend of theirs from school or a girl they know in school that says, hey, want to go give this old dude a massage? He'll pay you 200 bucks. And and then again, the common again, a common theme that you see um, is that Epstein was a very stereotypical predator in that he knew how to identify, um, you know, uh, girls that were in trouble, girls that were from uh, a a bad background that were coming from an underprivileged background. Was vulnerable. Absolutely, he and, knew who was vulnerable. Yep, and so that's you know the whole uh, the whole Haley Frick conversation is is the one that I took a particular note of because um, they kind of started really coming down on her. Um, as, because she was basically essentially implicating herself uh, as being his recruiter, uh, being Epstein's recruiter. Yeah, um, she's just telling the truth, though, and she says that she brings around 40 people over there, 25, yep. I think it was. But yeah. she says that she brings a lot of girls over there, and then they start going hard on her. And I'm like, yeah, we have to also remember that she's also a victim. Yeah. Yep. And that, and one thing that she said that stood out was she was like, what about the person that recruited me? Right. Yep. And what about the cur- person that recruited the person uh, that recruited yep. me? Well, so, you and, that, and like, that's the thing. And we see it several times where they've, they start creating basically, um, I mean, you see it on, I mean, all the, you know, law and order shows and whatever else where they start doing like the, the criminal map. Um, except in this case, they were doing the, uh, the girl map as far as like, yeah. you know, who recruited who and they recruited so on. And it was like, God, the old like Sassoon come like, and they told two friends and they told well, two and friends and so on I, and so on. That's what I wrote down with, uh, the Bradley Edwards. He had the whole, uh, the poster, that he showed yep. who recruited who and who recruited who. And he was like, this could sprawl out against an entire wall. Oh, yeah. He was like, like this. Yeah. He's, and he's like, right, yeah, it, like, this is just like, one piece of poster like, board. No, it could be like, crazy. Honestly, like it, it, it goes that deep. Like, I mean, it goes back to 2005 and probably before that. Yeah. That's just when they got the first phone call about right, it. That's just when they got those victims to say that they <laughs> and so that's that's that when they, they started like doing all that surveillance and trying to keep an eye on okay who's coming and going who's you know where where you know who's coming in these cars because they said it didn't take very long to figure out yeah there's a shit ton of cars coming and going out of this house um and right. they all have girls in them to some degree right and then sorry that's the ahead. thing though is that you know when you're like thinking about something like that and you're looking at that board of all the girls who recruited. If one girl can bring 20, 40, 60 girls, yes. then 
out of each one of those groups, he's recruiting at least one other right. girl that's going to recruit right. 20, 40, 60, 60 girls. Girl. Yep. And of those, you're going to have at least one girl. So this is like an ongoing, sprawling... It's a huge... And like what I wrote down is web. like what um what the attorney said it was like it's a sexual pyramid scheme. Oh, for sure. You know, it's, a Ponzi it's, scheme. it's just it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a Ponzi scheme where it's just like you just keep recruiting and recruiting and recruiting, and the girls that are not wanting to do the sexual thing with them, and they actually speak up. Well, it's like okay, well, okay. Well, you don't want to do with that. We've got to have a friend who will. But you have a friend that will. Right. right. And and they'll and I'll pay you them. and I'll and pay them. Right. And both right. of you guys are going to be set up and you can get out of these shitty house situations. Exactly. You and know, that's the, the thing is like, too, is like, I think we heard from like a child psychologist and she said like he had an eye for picking out women or girls that were uh that had these huge vulnerable oh yeah you know he had an eye for picking out you know she was abused when she was younger she was or she's homeless you know there was one girl that was she was homeless and a couple of them were no way of making money and this was her way of making money and like and and she said like he had an eye for that. He knew who was going to be the most vulnerable person that I can take advantage of. There was one girl that she didn't really seem to have like too much of like a bad background. She had like seven siblings. And oh, she yeah, said that yeah. She had a very happy home life yes. and that, you know, everything was pretty normal. Um, and she wasn't the pretty girl in school and she had braces, right. and, you know, but how he got to her was when she came in to do the massage thing. He for said him, she was pretty. He was giving her all these compliments and making her feel like she's worth something that she has all this potential to do so much more in her life. But and- that's the thing of, uh, uh, of a of a of a Jeffrey Epstein or of a of a Michael predator, Jackson and, of a predator yeah. is that they know what to feed on, and so he knew exactly what to feed on, and he knew exactly it's to grooming one hundred and one. It's grooming yep. one hundred and one, and what he knew exactly was to say, um, "You weren't the prettiest, but now I'm going to tell you, you're the prettiest." Right. And you're the best, and you're. It makes people so trust go- you and start we're, feeling well, like you're genuinely. You feel special. Well, you, you feel special. There were other girls that were even saying like he would just ask things like, "How's your family?" or "What do you do?" or "What are you interested?" Yeah, just in? actually showing an interest in their life. Right, building this trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. This person cares about me. This person wants me to succeed. This person wants to see me do good things, especially when he's putting money behind their education, things that they wouldn't be able to pay for themselves, mm-hmm. putting money between into, you know, them traveling, being able to see things that they would never, ever imagine they could do on their own. And that's like a perfect way to keep somebody just like in your grip where it's like, you can't leave because without me, you're not, you've got nothing. Without yep. me, you're not going to have anything. And no one's going to believe you anyway. Oh yeah. Cause, and that's again, another common theme throughout this is, you know, I own the Palm beach police department. I own, you know, I, all these rich and, you know, famous people owe me favors and that kind of stuff. And yeah. so this first episode wraps with like the, what you think is going to be like the first big, like big teeth moment. Um, October of 2005, um, the, the Palm beach police department finally uh, go ahead and they execute a search, search warrant, warrant. Um, at his house. Uh, and and that they show like the cops, you know, getting there and and reading the search warrant and talking to the employees, um, and then it kind of closes out. And then of course you've got all the disclaimers um, yeah. you would expect at the end of something like this that you know, <laughs> bless you, uh, that you know, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell denies everything. The you know the, the this person denies everything. Everybody denies everything. Vanity Fair denies everything. The editor doesn't want to deny you know. Da, 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 they ref- you know this person refused our request for an interview. Da 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 da. Yeah. So episode two starts out and um, I remember uh, the police that had to go in and actually do the uh, arrest warrant, the, the, or sorry, the search warrant, yep. search warrant. And they were talking about how um, there were nudes 
like pictures of like nude women everywhere. all around. Everywhere. Everywhere. And then they talked about how it was like really weird because he had like this steam room and this massage room all like set up. Um, and it was like really, it, it was just like odd. Well, and so honestly, the the one, so the the first thing, like the first little factoid that, that jumped out at me is when they were reading the search warrant, they give you his date of birth, uh, which is January of 1953. So, yeah. you, so the, you know, so in 2005, when this is going on, so he's 52 years old, um, yeah, hanging with 14 year old girls, right? Yeah. Literally, literally almost four times. Yeah, literally almost four times their age. Um, And so, yeah, the the, you know, yeah, the cops were just like mortified, and like you see the video foot, and that was like honestly one of the things they were hoping for that they got was confirmation of the girls' stories when it comes to like the layout of the house and the and the you know the rooms in the house and that kind of thing. So they got they did, and and they they got got that. They got that, but the problem was is so. When they they find the room where all of the you know surveillance systems are routed to, um, and all that kind of stuff, and all the computers and hard drives are gone, uh, so somebody has obviously tipped him off that there's a search yeah. warrant coming, uh, and he's had all of the you know video footage and all that kind of crap removed. Yeah, right. Like they have a space where a computer would be all the wiring, but no computer. Yeah. Or like the hard drives are missing, or the security footage is missing. Yep. Um, one thing I also wanted to point out, too, is that they actually tried to contact, like, former employees of Epstein. Yep. Oh, yeah. And um, they had called a few. I think they, they do excerpts from two people. And the first one is just like, I'm not going to talk to you at all. And the second one kind of talks a little bit. He ends up saying, you know, something along the lines of, like, yeah, I saw people coming in and out. You know, there was always girls. But, but who knows like, how young in. they are? Yeah. Right. But he's just like, oh, uh, you know, how, how, when was a, what, what age do you think they would be? And he was like, well, now you're putting me on the spot. And it's like, yep. Because he knows that he would have to say that. Well, and also, there there was that thing that Lauren and I had talked about is like both of the people that were talked to, at least in this documentary, were they, sounded like they were from Latin America. So they sounded like either they were from like Central America or South America. They had a strong accents. And so part of it was like for me and Lauren were like, were they scared that they were going to be sent home? Yeah, were they scared? Where, were they scared about their immigration status? Well, it sounded like they were worried about getting sued. Uh, like, because I mean, that's yeah. one. Well, of the, no, yeah, absolutely, yeah. that too. But also, on top of it, were they scared about their immigration yep. status? No, for sure. You know, but that's the one thing that they did say. Both of them were just like, "I don't want Epstein or his company to come after me yep. because yeah. I can't take them on." And it's like that's a legitimate fear to have. You yeah. know, like when you're not exactly sure. Um, and they did find inside of the house, the steam room and massage room. And so just knowing that that's there should be enough to be like, yeah, these girls are not lying. Yeah. Because they all talk about the massage. It always starts with massages, feet, massages, back, massages, calves. Well, and, and then he all, flips over. And he flips over. Yeah. They all have the same right. story. And I felt so bad because it's like, these girls are all saying like, because I hear people all the time, their their entire thing is, well, why didn't you just say no or anything like that? It's like, it's not that easy when you're young and you're, I mm-hmm. mean, even as an adult, it's hard. But it's like, when you're that young and you don't understand sex and you don't understand, like, why an adult is asking well, you to do That's why there's an age of consent, yeah. What happens if I say no? And what happens, does one person even said, like, I don't know if he has a gun hidden somewhere. I don't know if he has access to weapons. Mm -hmm. Like, you're worried for your life. Well, and can I even step in and say, like, um, when you're that young, you trust an adult. Right. And you especially trust an adult that seems to be doing amazing. Like, an adult with all of this money. Hey, yeah, I want that world. All of his resources, yep. and you're of course you're gonna trust him in a different way. 
I mean, it was the same thing as like when you're watching the Michael Jackson story on HBO, like, you know, all of his families, they trust Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. They trust him because he's a superstar. He has all of this money. He has all of this fame. And well, he grew. They're going to, and you know what I'm saying? Your families. Go ahead. Um, with Michael Jackson, he groomed entire families. With Epstein, he had separated these girls from their families, or the or the girls were already. I was separated in a lot of cases, they yeah, they were already separated from their families. So, and you know, with with having a friend that's like, oh, come with me, you know, like the one girl said, oh, oh that's yeah. the girl I felt the worst for. Yeah. And that's the thing. I felt so bad for her because she said that she went in and she started, you know, like, okay, cool. We're going to do this thing. And she's like, well, we have to take our clothes off. Wait, we have to take our clothes off. Yeah. We both have to take our clothes off. So they take their clothes off and then she's like, all right, well, I'm going to dip now. And she yeah, just, and I'm out. And that's supposed to be your friend. And it like, that affects your relationships with everyone. Now you don't trust anybody. Yep. And you're left with a situation where like, these people that I'm supposed to think are going to keep me safe are the ones putting me in danger. For sure. Well, and then so yeah, and this is where um, this is where we meet one of the the major players uh, throughout this entire the story. Is so you know here we are in 2005. Now we're flashing back to 1999, um, and we meet uh, Virginia Jeffrey. Um, and she tells her story of how in 1999, uh, she wants to be a massage therapist. Uh, she wor- she's working as a, um, uh, a dressing room, I can't, uh, locker room attendant, um, at, <laughs> guess, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, and, you know, so, but that's, you know, so, th- but, you know, she really wants to be a massage therapist. Um, she winds up, uh, you know, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, you know, meets her, uh, says, hey, you should come back and, you know, meet this guy. He wants a massage. You want to be a massage therapist. Life's great. Uh, so she massages him. Uh, that turns into uh, oral sex. That turns into regular sex. Uh, and the, basically, uh, Maxwell tells her, hey, your interview went great. I yeah, so, so yeah if that's great. if that's an interview yeah I've I've been doing interviews wrong for a long long time uh but you know so she's you know <laughs> she's thrilled about you know the possibilities of what can happen um and so she accepts the offer and she's another girl who's essentially been homeless for a couple of years uh you know had just managed to get this job get her foot in the door she's been estranged from her yeah. family for a while very vulnerable yeah. situation um and she's uh the first person that we hear from uh that starts to mention not just uh um, you know, abuse by Epstein, but being trafficked uh, and being passed around yeah, to different she, people. And yes, and that's what she says that she was trafficked. Yeah, and then I think um, it then goes back to learning about Epstein. So, and, and this is where James Patterson comes in. Yeah, so this is you know James yeah, Patterson comes yeah. in um, and and gives a little bit of history uh, on Epstein, where you know he wasn't you yeah. know he wasn't born rich. You know he was born to a working class family on Coney Island. Um, you know he you know he skipped a couple grades. He graduated high school at the age of sixteen. Um, he goes to college for a year and then drops out. Uh, and this is where like the like Epstein being able to charm his way into and out of everything kind of you start seeing. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like right now, like for me, like that's the biggest thing is like he never graduated from college, but he was able then to manipulate his way into being a professor at Dalton. Yep. And then, um, and then from there, getting a job on Wall Street. Yep. Like, so he, he gets a job at Bear Stearns. And but he was right. even like confronted about his yeah. lying about yep. not being, yeah. you know, properly. And then the well. guy, I love the guy that they, and I forget, I didn't even write his name down. But yeah, I he's the former the CEO guy. of Bear Stearns. Yeah. Yeah, the guy, the guy that they interviewed, and he was like, "I wish I would have never." Yeah, he's like the the, chance. the biggest like, regret I have in my life is giving him another Lauren chance. Lauren yeah. and I were talking about. We're like, okay, like as a Christian or as a human, a normal human, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You want to give them the second chance. Who? 
who would have predicted that he would have turned out to be such a monster? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like it's it's you know, it's not his fault that he went on to become the monster that he is. You know what I mean? Like Well, but as we find mm-hmm. out, so Bear Stearns is where he meets yeah. um, you know, Les Wexner. That's you know, that's where yeah. he you know, so and that's where he starts getting access. Yeah to literally just shit tons of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so yeah. that's why this guy feels bad is because he enabled that connection. And that's yeah. that's what kind of really no, got him rolling. And that's what we, what we were talking about. It was like, okay, well, you know, you you forgive and you forget and you, you, you move on. And like, you know, like you want to give somebody the benefit of yep. the doubt. <laughs> Of that they're not the monster that they are, and who would have predicted that he would turn out to be such a predator? Yeah, like nobody would have. I mean, you don't think that. You just don't think that. Like the person that I'm teaching or the person that I'm mentoring is gonna turn out is gonna to turn be out to be a yeah horrible monster. So, and then this is where we flash back. Uh, we flash forward again. We go back to 2006. Yeah. Uh, back to the Palm Beach police. Um, yeah. And this police chief says, okay, here's where, you know, where we are now is, yeah. you know, we've got 40 victims uh, that we've identified. We've got five willing witnesses. Um, and so he takes this case, you know, he takes all the information to the state's attorney. State's attorney says, hey, this case is a no brainer. Like we're going to put this guy basically under the jail. Like he's, he's never going to yeah, see the light of day. Again. Barry, Barry Crusher was the, Barry, yep, Barry was the Crusher, state's attorney. Yep. He was a state attorney. Yep. He was, that was the same. Yeah. And he, he had said like, this is a no brainer. We're going to hang him up. We're going to string him up. Like this is, and, yep. Well, and then it. yep, and then in Epstein the starts basically assembling uh, his own dream team of lawyers. You yeah, know, he, he gets Ken Starr. Say that. Yeah, he had Alan Dershowitz. Yep. And Alan Dershowitz, he was, you know, the attorney for O.J. Simpson, Mike Tyson, and he like a lot of high-profile cases. Yeah, and he basically just started like getting this legal dream team together mm-hmm. for Epstein. Um, and and this is where it starts getting. This is where it starts getting a little into, dark. They start looking into the detectives' past. Yep. They well, they start investigating the investigators, yeah. and they yeah. start investigating yeah. the Which victims. Is so fucked up. Yeah, like, I mean, they, can you even imagine? Like, yeah, like they're tailing the like detectives' families. They're they're parking cars even, outside of their houses. They're just doing all kinds of like just insane shit that you can't even imagine they got away with. Um, so yeah, taking the, the trash from outside of the police department, so they had to yeah. start putting their files in a separate location so that way they couldn't come to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then uh, the police chief says the state attorney starts backing off, um, saying things yeah, he like, hey, we're not sure that these are going to be the most credible witnesses. Uh, we're not sure that we're going to be able to get a conviction on this. Um, and so... That's so and then, well, then not only that, but then so it it ratchets up even it ratchets up even further because now it's not just the police detectives and those people that are getting followed and investigated. They're no, they're going after the reporters. So reporters in Palm Beach, you know, both TV, uh, paper, radio are starting to dig into this story. And they're reporting that they're getting phone calls and threats about, hey, you know, you really just you want to just let this die. You don't want to dig too deep into the story. Um, It's not something you want to really be a part of. And so the police chief, and again, which is why I think he's one of the best people in this entire story, says, "Okay, attorney, dude, you know, if you're not going to handle this shit, I'm going to the FBI. And and totally yeah. bypasses him and goes straight to the FBI. And this is, again, 2006. Yeah. Um, and so the FBI takes over the case in 2006. And the first thing they find is the 1996 complaints, you know, from the oh, two and sisters. Then we get Alex Acosta. Sorry, wait, that's a little. That's a little bit later. We're not there down. yet. But uh, I'm like, I, that just like pisses me off oh, so that, much. Like, oh, that whole thing is. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? So, Are you fucking kidding me? Like, it is like, you know what? Netflix labeled it uh, Jeffrey Epstein Filthy Rich. And I was like, that is exactly why. Yeah. 
is because he is filthy rich and he can buy his way out of any fucking thing he wants to until it gets to a point and then Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself (laughs) because you know somebody was sent in there to fucking hang that motherfucker. So and this is where when they're starting to get nervous about the Sorry. criminal. No, it's OK. When, when they're getting nervous about the criminal prosecutions not going through, um, they start filing civil lawsuits, uh, yeah. you know, just to make sure, you know, that, that something happens. And this is where we meet Courtney Wilde, um, who's really specific yeah. about when she met him. Uh, you know, she was 14. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, it yeah. was the summer after the eighth grade. Like that's. Yeah. Oof. Um, and so she said, you know, she hung around for like three to four years. She probably brought around 40 to 60 girls. And yeah. so Epstein is not only paying the girls that he's that she brings him. She's giving he, he's giving her two hundred dollars for every girl yeah. that she brings along. So it, it just. Yeah. Um, and then we fade a little bit and we start learning more about Ghislaine Maxwell. You know, yeah. who's who's the one that's, you know, basically always by his, always by Epstein's side. Uh, you know, her dad uh, was. Did a, they date or what? Like they kept on saying that it was like ex-girlfriend. No, they did. They did. They, they did. Dated. OK. Yeah. She was oh, they were absolutely a thing. She was kind of like a pimp for him. Well, yeah. Yeah. I knew that. But I was just curious if she was like dating him during the time that she was doing that or if it was like she was just kind of being like. Oh, I mean, it seems like it. Yeah. Um, you know, so her dad was Robert Maxwell. Uh, you know, at one point in time, he was like the largest like newspaper media magnet uh, in London. Um, he died under some really weird, suspicious circumstances. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, because he his reputation sort of like drastically went down the shitter. Um, and, you know, basically everybody's saying he probably he probably committed suicide by jumping off his boat. Um, but there are rumors that uh, there were enough people pissed off at him uh, that he that the people had him killed on his boat and then just threw him over water, uh, overboard into the water. Uh, so, you know, that happens. And she decides, you know, this is where Ghislaine moves to New York City and meets Epstein. Uh, and so this is where we, you know, they're talking a little bit more about, you know, Epstein is, uh, he's very reclusive, uh, you know, but he's got all this money, but he has no access. Well, Maxwell has all this access, but doesn't really have a lot of money because all this thing with their dad. So like they're, they're basically a match made in hell, um, because, you know, they, they perfectly enable each other, um, right at the right moment to just, start wreaking all of this habit going on um and yeah. and this is where you know they go back to um uh the guy's name was uh Stephen Hoffenberg uh that was run- so basically Bear Stearns is now trying to dump uh Epstein but trying to do it nicely and quietly so that nothing bad happens to them and so they call up you know, this guy Stephen Hoffenberg and say hey we've got this bright young kid Jeff Epstein you might want to give him a look well this Hoffenberg guy is in the middle of running probably one of the largest ponzi schemes uh, uh, pyramid schemes in history. Uh, and uh, the guy from Bear Stearns even says, he's like, look, this Jeff guy, he's loaded with energy, but his moral compass is upside down. Well, this guy who's running a, a scam is like, well, that's exactly what I need. Bring him on. Um, and so, you know, Epstein comes on, totally finances the scheme, makes them both a shit ton of money. And when the House of Cards falls, it's Hoffenberg. Uh, who gets nailed to the wall? Yeah, uh, he, he gets twenty, 20 years in jail, years in prison. and yeah. he said he didn't he didn't testify against Epstein because Epstein told him that he was a cooperating yep. witness um, yeah. for the FBI, and so you know what was the point? It wasn't going to get him anywhere. But and so, Epstein played him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then this is where, you know, then we jump back to uh, dive a little bit deeper into the whole Les Wexner situation. Um, you know, so, you know, yeah, the limited Abercrombie and Fitch, Victoria's Secret. Apparently, Epstein uh, loved to go around with, you know, like business cards that he had made up saying he was a talent scout for Victoria's Secret trying to pick up girls. Um, oh, yeah. And and that works. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they, did. they actually they actually interviewed one of well, the. One of the yeah. women that he did that to in and L.A. She, and she said that she filed a police report in Santa, Santa Monica, Monica yep. and then nothing happened. Mm-hmm. No one ever called her. Nobody ever called her to follow up or do nope. anything And so there's, it. yeah, so there's all these rumors um, about whether Epstein and, and Wexner um, are involved with each other. Um, you know, uh, Epstein denied it during all the depositions that he's not bisexual. He's not homosexual. There was no sexual relationship between him and Wexner. But he also constantly bragged about being able to control Wexner um, and being able to control his emotions and control and more importantly, control his well, finances. 
because they were doing it. Well, that's the common assumption. Yeah. So, I you mean, know, of course they were. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean of course they were. You got to figure Wexner gave him power of attorney over his finances. Yeah. I mean, like, right. Why would you do that? Well, to the tune. You were fucking banging. To the tune of uh, Epstein oversaw the sale of one point three billion dollars of stock from Wexner's company and basically and stole 46 million of it. Uh, and, and Wexner just, he just like never called the cops. And, and, and there was a, there was a great, uh, when, in fact, it was, it's from when Wexner was stepping down from the board and from the company, um, when he just said, look, I'm horribly embarrassed that I was this close to someone who did all these terrible, horrible things. Um, it's personally embarrassing. I, I, well, he was putting it in the context of all of his other shit. Well, no, I know, but he was yeah. like also to himself, he oh, yeah. was like, I was used by this person, to yep. not in the same way, but he was like, I was also used by this person and convinced. And also, can I say, I worked for Abercrombie and Fish, and I'm just going to tell you that that motherfucker is awful. <laughs> like, I had to wear flip flops in the middle of the dead of winter. <laughs> That sounds atrocious. Why would people do that? It was atrocious. And spray everything with perfume. And I had to spray everything with this disgusting (laughs) cologne before I left. It was awful. And I had a, there was like a huge like hoodie wall that I had to like, I had to fold hoodies in like a very specific. Oh yeah, they were very, yeah, I had friends that worked for them over the years. I know. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. So, so okay. So now we're flashing back to 2006, um, and I also really like this PI guy. And I'm sorry, I did, I'm 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 sorry I didn't write his name down because he's such a great dude. And he was like, "Hey, so like they said the FBI case was stalled, um, and the state case was stalled. So shit, I'll do their work for him. No big deal." So he basically single handedly identifies 46 girls, um, and he's like, "It's it wasn't that hard. Like I would go was to Brad Edwards. Yes, and he's like, so you know, I, okay. I, well, Brad Edwards is. The lawyer for the victim. No, no, no. Okay, then that's not. That's the lawyer. I'm talking about the private investigator, the older guy with the beard and the mustache. Uh, who was like taking video of the guy taking taking video. video. Yes, that guy. Right. Um, and <laughs> so and so he was like, hey, so you know, so he goes to the FBI and he's like, look, basically, and for what it's worth, all I had to do was go to these like kind of rundown neighborhoods, walk around outside, find a teenage girl and be like, Hey, do you know Jeffrey Epstein? And they'd be like, well, yeah, I, I got $200 to rub him off. Yeah. And, and so like, it wasn't that hard to find this information. Uh, so he gives all this to the FBI and then we flash forward. Then we flash to uh, more depositions uh, where Epstein is basically just, uh, Hey, I'd love to answer that again. I, it, yeah. I would love to answer that question, but my lawyers say I can't. So I got to plead the fifth amendment. Yet, yada, yada, and off we go. Um, and there, there's more about, you know, basically hunting the investigators, harassing the victims and all that kind of stuff throughout the course of this. Well, and then the next thing I have, like the next major thing that I have was Alex Acosta, U.S. attorney. I was like, and, and, and here's here's where we get to where you were going. FBI is suddenly not allowed to talk to the police, suddenly not allowed to talk to the Palm Beach police. Yep. And the case starts falling apart. Well, and so, but keep in mind, they had a, before the case starts falling, like, so before Acosta even gets dragged into this, like, he's brought into this, because, I mean, he's he's the, the federal prosecutor. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, he doesn't oversee the, the day-to-day stuff until it's, like, ready to go. Like, that's what all the other people do. So, basically, they hand Acosta a 57-page indictment that says, here are all the victims, here's everything that we have, this is going to be an open and shut case. Boss, this is going to make your so career go do. are you saying that Acosta's not guilty? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, No, I'm saying, no, I'm actually making it even worse because he, so he, by the time it got to him, all the work was already done. Like, so he, like, so he was like, basically just handed gift, like this should have been, were it not for all of the politics. like, Yep. Bang him, bang him, get him into jail. Yep. Uh, but then so uh, and then the, the police chief uh, from Palm Beach again says that's a, like that's when Acosta basically kills the case. Um, and, and there's yeah. no real explanation why there's no, um, you know, they, they don't get told why what's going on. And, and I do like and, and again, this police chief just being the greatest guy on the planet. 
basically sits down and writes a letter to every single one of the victims apologizing. And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, hey, like, I don't, I don't know why this is going on. I don't know why this is happening. I assure you, I'm not going to let this go. Um, and if you have any more, you know, information, here's my number. Give me a call. And that's the wrap on episode two. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Episode yep. three is when everything goes fucking haywire. So my episode three title is What the Fuck? <laughs> What the that fuck? makes sense. That seems like a legitimate episode title. <laughs> Actually, the entire thing should be called "What the fuck." Yeah, I know. It should just so be called I, Epstein, filthy rich. I, but what 